Can you find me? I'm here. Behind you, look. Alright, welcome back to another episode of This Some Scary Shit. I'm your host, Donny K, of course. Who else? Not yet. So today's episode is a paranormal two for one. So I haven't done a paranormal episode since damn near episode one, I guess. So I thought about just putting two of the paranormal stories together. A lot of the paranormal stories that I have, they're really short and to the point and there's not much to it but um I'm gonna give you like two stories and um they're all centered right there in good old Alabama let's get into it So this first part, we're going to talk about the legend of Hugging Molly down in Abbeville, Alabama. So for those of you who may not know, Alabama is in the United States. Yes, I do have listeners who are not just centered in the United States. So Alabama is in the United States and it's in the southern region of the continent. Abbeville is about 100 miles southeast of Montgomery and Montgomery is pretty much further south from Birmingham. Um, and it's also in the Dothan, the Dothan metro area. First of all, I don't fuck with Dothan. If you if you know who I am, then you should automatically know like I just don't fuck with Dothan. Anyway, so at the start of the like 1900s, someone said, fuck this town and burn the son of a bitch down. And around this time is when the story of Hugging Molly began. So there's like several different accounts to the story, and I'm just going to go ahead and share a few. So one of the versions of the story claims that Molly was the ghost of a woman who had lost her infant. And she dealt with the tragedy by hugging local children. So if that does sound familiar, if you've seen the movie, uh, the 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 La Yorna ghost. I don't know the title of the movie, but um, the the La Yorna, the movie came out like a couple of years ago. It was one of them like cheap paranormal ghost stories, but honestly, I enjoy those movies because when I watch movies, I don't go in with the thought of like, it's going to be like, I, I don't nitpick movies for the fuck of it. Like some people do. I go in there and actually enjoy a movie. And if it's a shitty movie, then I know for sure it's a shitty movie. But if it's good, like, I still rock with all the paranormal movies. And I'll watch them hoes like it's, like, they're brand new movies. Like, I'm, I'd be scared. I'd still be scared watching them. But most people like to go in there like, oh, this this movie is horrible. Did you see the editing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, shut up and enjoy the shit. Just enjoy it. Anyway, another... Um, story states that Molly was a professor at the former Southeast Alabama Agricultural School and she was trying to keep students safe and she did this by keeping them off the streets at night I don't know what the fuck (laughs) I wouldn't even believe that story if Jesus put it on a platter because that don't even sound like cool I guess parents was trying to make some shit up who knows but um for those of you that's 
in the United States not from really familiar of this school. Um, the school's Southeast Alabama Agricultural School was created by Alabama Legislative Act number 579 in February 28th of 1889. This was Alabama's first school to offer free secondary education. Like, imagine you in the South and you can go to, well, not me, but imagine in the South, like, you in this time area, you can get secondary education for free. And this is also Auburn University's uh, first junior college. So um, students who went here and received full education at the Southeast Alabama School, they can go and transfer to Auburn. Okay. And another version, well, the last version of the story claims that a phantom woman would appear to children, but only at night. And she would squeeze them very tight, then scream in their ears. She never hurt them other than causing some ringing in the ears. And they said that she looked as like she looked like she was seven feet tall, wearing dark clothing and a wide brim hat. Boom. That's the story I would have believed. I would have had a field day telling my kids about this about this woman. Because the first two, they were whack. This last version really should be the one that they should tell kids to keep their ass in line. Like, oh, if you always tighten up in school, a hugging Molly finna come and hug you real tight, she gonna scream in your ear and you ain't gonna be able to hear for a whole month. So... The, that story, um, it's only like an urban paranormal myth. Like, it's, I don't, they, I don't think it's real. But the town kind of kept up with the ghost story by even opening up like a restaurant actually called Huggin' Molly's. And if you're, if you ever decide to go down in Abbeville, I'm not, this is not free promotion. Like, this is not, well, this is free promotion. But um, if you're ever down in Abbeville and you want to, you know, need something to eat, uh, Hug and Molly's is there. They serve sandwiches, burgers, steaks, pulled pork, a lot of sides and drinks. So it's pretty much like a, um, a this is it type restaurant, like a barbecue restaurant or something. So that's all about, that's all on Hug and Molly. Let's get into the next story. All right. So this next story, like I said, everything's in Alabama. This one is about the Sloss Furnaces. The Sloss Furnace was... Uh, <laughs> the Sloss Furnaces were in Birmingham, Alabama, um, and the story starts off as a man named James Wormwood, they called him Slag, was the foreman of the graveyard shift in the early 1900s. So a skeleton workforce of about 150 workers, they worked to keep the furnace field between sunset and daybreak. So during the hot-ass summer months, Temperatures in the factory would exceed to 120 degrees. So imagine like it's already like 100 degrees outside and then you working inside of a building that's 20 degrees hotter. Like, I, oh my God, I worked at a job like that and I used to hate it. Like, and I was only getting paid like $5 an hour. Like, hell no. Nah. So they said that working in the furnace was like a, a living hell because there was, they had a lack of sleep. The heat was just too much and the limited visibility. So, like, you know, when you're dumb hot and stuff like that, your vision is always blurry. So only the lowest of laborers who were desperate for work or needed money would do it. 
So these workers, and most of these workers, they were new to the country. They were compelled to live in cramped living situations near the furnace site. So they had an on, and they also worked on an on-call situation, meaning they were called to work at any time. So Slag, or James Wormwood, would have his staff take perilous risks to please his bosses. So they was doing anything to please the boss. And this drove the workers to work faster. So during his time, during James's time there, 47 employees died. And that's 10 times more than during any previous shift in the furnace's history. Listen, don't let these jobs take you out, okay? Like, I'd be damned if I have to work a shitty job like that where I'm risking my health and risking my life for pennies on the dollar. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I got a family to feed, and you want me to work like this, and it's a potential I could die? Hell no. I'm so glad my generation is saying, fuck these bosses and getting the fuck out of their offices and living their life. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So because of the accidents and the mishaps, countless more were unable to work. So like, all of this steered people away from working. This also included an explosion that happened in 1888 at the little blowing engine house. It left six workers blind. You mean to tell me that I worked your job and all I leave here with is no sight? I'm going to have to square up. Cause now I got to learn braille. I got to walk around with a with a with the cane with the stick. I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry. And all of this for literally shit change? Absolutely not. And while these people were working, there were no pauses, like no stopping, no holidays. There was only the furnace and its never ending thirst for more coal. So like, they were like, what holiday? What break? What vacation? Keep working. Hell no. Hell no. So one day, James Wormwood lost his footing at the top of the tallest blast furnace. And this furnace was known as Big Alice. And this happened in 19, October of 1906. He fell into a pool of melted iron ore. And you know what that rings out? Dun -dun 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 -dun. Karma. So his entire body dissolved in literally a second. And the methane gas that was produced by the furnace caused slag to get dizzy and loses uh, his equilibrium. That's what that's how it happened. So slag had never stepped foot on top of the furnace throughout his years of service. So he never done that. And he just said something in him just was like, hey, go up there. Let's go. So many believe that the employees had had enough of uh, James's slave driving and had thrown him into the furnace. And to be honest, that's a good story. <laughs> like, I would have, in my head, I'm like, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it because fuck Wormwood. Uh, none of the workers were ever prosecuted. So they pretty much got away with murder. And Sloss Industries phased out the graveyard shift. So no more working overnights. The complaints of the accidents and abnormal situations that resulted in lower still output were to blame for the phased out graveyard shift. So after his disappearance or his murder, uh, the tale of James Wormwood or Slag developed with each passing year. 
So workers said they were encountering an unnatural presence at the job. In 1926, a night watchman was injured after being pushed from behind and was instructed to get back to work by a deep voice. You, hell no. First of all, was this, was he working at night? And two, um, if something, if, if I'm the only person in the room and something pushes me and tells me to get back to work, we finna square up. Because who are you talking to? You're not talking to me. But then he'll probably like beat my ass because I wouldn't even know where he at. Damn. After investigating the surroundings, the guy discovered no other live individuals. So three supervisors went missing in 1947. They were found unconscious and trapped in a tiny boiler room in the plant's southeastern section. How the how the hell did they get missing? Like, anyway, none of them could explain what had happened to them. All agreed that they got approached by a man with burnt skin. He yelled at them in an aggressive tone to push some steel. Wormwood said, okay, I'm going to fuck with everybody that stepped foot into this building. Because, first of all, I should have lived longer than what I was supposed to. And I'm going to get my payback. Wormwood is pissed, okay? He is not having it. So the most terrifying story occurred in 1971. Samuel Blumenthal, he was a sloss night watchman at the time, was taking one last look around the factory the night before it closed. He then came face to face with the most terrifying sight he had ever seen. He characterized it as a bad and a half-man, half-demon that attempted to force him up the stairwell. When Blumenthal refused, the creature started punching him in the face with his fist. That demon was like, wah, 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 wah. And Dr. Jack Barlow discovered Blumenthal covered in severe burns during his checkup. So I guess he went to you know, see a doctor about it, and he was just covered in, like, really bad burns. And before he could return to Sloss, uh, Blumenthal died. Damn. So in Birmingham Police Archives, there have been over 100 claims of possible paranormal activity at the at the Sloss Furnaces. These occurrences include steam whistles that appear to be blowing on their own, significant sightings, and the unusual violent attacks. It's worth saying that the majority of these sightings occur at night during the ancient quote-unquote graveyard shift in September and October. Now, Wormwood is not letting people rest. Like, he finna get his revenge because he's sick of y'all. He is sick of y'all. And right now, Sloss Furnace is now a National Historic Landmark, so it is not operating as a furnace anymore. So if you're ever in the Birmingham area and you want to go check out the furnaces in the daytime, of course, go ahead and check this out. Um, As far as the story, some dismiss the events as Halloween pranks, but others believe it is the restless soul of slag. The vicious foreman. Of course, I told you he's sick of y'all. He is sick of y'all. He's gonna get his revenge. So that's all for this story today. Uh, be right back or listen up for the Reddit story. All right, so we're with the Reddit story. I hate talking about 
it's another um demon type story i kind of hate talking about them but the stories be really good um i know my mom for a fact hates that i'm interested in stuff like this and um i know not everybody is but this story might be a little good so i'm gonna go ahead and get started the title is saw a demon possessing someone whoop-de-damn-do and this is by reddit user truth seeker 1321 so the story starts off i've shared this story with close friends over the years and i still completely stand by it simply put when i was a kid i very clearly had extra senses and abilities that i eventually shut down shortly after witnessing this event in which now 20 years later i'm starting to try to find ways to slowly reopen this was not my first time seeing evil spirits or demons or sensing them, but it was the first time I felt seen by one. I went to an extremely large university in the U.S. In my second year, a transfer student arrived and I developed a strong crush on him. We were still in contact thanks to Facebook, though. Nothing ever materialized between us. The following year, a master's student transferred into our department, and she and he became immediate besties. There was something super strange about this girl, something not authentic, but stranger yet, she was immediately super popular. It seemed like everyone just fell in love with her and would bend over backwards for her. And as a result, she was able to get away with a lot of shit. I used to witness her manipulating students and professors, situations, and I could sense that she somehow knew that I saw through her. Of course, she did everything possible to cockblock me and prevent me any access to the guy I was crushing on. And when it seemed like he was finally showing interest in me, she swiftly got into the way of that. The odd thing is that no one else seemed to notice how shady she was. Everyone just thought she was amazing, sweet, and funny, except one of my best friends who was a few years older than either of us. She confirmed what I was picking up on and knew something wasn't right about this girl. Well, time went by, and I got used to her presence, but this unsettling feeling I would get around and about her never went away. Sometimes so strong, I would feel really off in her presence. One clear, beautifully sunny spring day, I was walking back into campus. Our department's buildings were very close to the edge of campus where all the stores and restaurants and frat houses were. I had been coming back from lunch and walking through this wide open space between two very large buildings. Directly ahead was the quad, although ours had a specific name and shape, and just behind the large building on the right was a smaller, oddly designed building. This girl was walking from between these two buildings at an angle, away from where I was, crossing my path at a diagonal and heading towards the quad. Given her direction, she could not and did not see me, but I had full view of her. She stepped out from the shadows of the two buildings into full open sunlight no clouds, completely in direct sunlight with absolutely nothing nearby to cast a shadow on her. In an instant, I got a super strong and strange feeling as she was covered in a pitch black shadow. I stopped walking and as I was shocked to see this, and that's the moment a horrible black creature manifested, rose up from her back, turned over her left shoulder to look at me in a serpentine fashion and hissed at me, with glaring yellow eyes and a mouthful of sharp teeth, I saw it and it saw me. Ooh. I was absolutely terrified and couldn't move. It then reabsorbed into her as quickly as it had appeared and the dark spot that surrounded her went away. 
and she just continued walking along like nothing had happened. I never saw it again, and after that, I stopped hating the girl and just really felt and just felt really sorry for her. But I would do anything to keep my distance from her and gave up any hopes of hooking up with that guy. I then continued to pray to stop seeing demons and evil spirits. It stopped, but once in a while, I I still will get a strong read from someone. I don't know what became of her, and I and if she ever rid herself of that presence. I hope she did. Has anyone else seen something similar? Ooh. That was a lot. That's that's weird. You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, damn. Oh, man. That's, that's wild. But, you know, like, you can get those kinds of senses from people where, um, you just some something's just strangely off about them, and you can never quite put your finger on it. But this person actually saw what the exact reason why she was just a shitty person, and you, like you saw it, and it pretty much just told you leave her the fuck alone, and you pretty much left her the fuck alone. So one of the one of the comments says um, attached but not possessing at least in that moment. I need to start a demon consulting business. Anything supernatural, really? Cambions are specialists in the area of demon possession. Being part demon would clearly know. Abominations don't fit anywhere yet. Can go anywhere without restriction. The greatest thing any cambion can do is do though is possession of a demon. Reverse possession, if you will. It is as easy. Is telling them to get FKD if they don't run at present, simply possess them. Shadow Demon that one is a foot soldier, not even nobility, no rank. Working up to it though, if he's off desire and greed. I don't know what all that other shit in the beginning said, but them last few sentences pretty much said it. It feeds off desire and greed, and that girl pretty much is the desire was to get popular, and the greed is to keep the attention on her. That's pretty much. Everything, you know, about this girl, and that's probably what that demon is just feeding off of her or whatever. It's a, that's a wild story. I'm going to open up a discussion on Anchor, and you guys talk about it in the discussion. Like, what, what, what is this? Like, I mean, we know what it is, but, like, how would you feel if you saw that? Like, I don't know. But I'm going to wrap this up here. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and IG at Some Scary Shit Pod, No I and Shit for show updates and visuals for today's show. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to vote on the poll about today's episode. If you like the show so far, please go ahead and rate it on your listening app. Give me five stars if you like it. If you don't like it, tell me what I need to fix. You know, I'm here to serve the people. Uh, give us like a written review or give me, because it's just me. Give me a written review if you like. And if you also want to, you can donate to the tech fund on Buy Me a Coffee. Um, you can go to the link in the Instagram bio, or if you're on Facebook, you can find the link on there. Um, if you have a story you want shared or a story you want me to cover, go ahead and email the podcast at ts3pod at gmail.com. I do check my emails every day. Um, and if it's something that I'll cover, I'll email you back and let you know when I'll cover it. Um, that's about it. So see you later. Bye.